Good morning. You are listening to Table for Two with Naomi Nachman on the Nachum Siegel Network. Our show is sponsored by Hod Golan, the height of taste. Wow, what a crazy era of Shabbos, crazy week we've all had with this cold, cold, and you see me or you hear me saying it with uh, a lot of angry face. <laughs> it's my angry face today because I cannot take the snow. Um, and for those of you who don't know me, I'm Naomi Nachman, and I'm from Australia, and January and February is supposed to be sunshine, so after 23 years of living here, I still can't get used to the very cold outside. But uh, thank you for tuning in and listening to me today uh, on this lovely Friday morning, and I'm saying lovely in quotes. Um, I'm all about all the food all the time, and I love sh- I love food, I love to shop for it, cook it, eat at restaurants, anything food-related. I'm a kosher personal chef. My business is called the Aussie Gourmet, and I give lots of cooking classes, and I cook for Shabbos and for Yontov and Pesach, which is like, you know, from tonight, about eight weeks, so we won't scare everyone too much. Um, but I hope you'll tune in every week to my show and, and hear about my exciting um, cooking and eating adventures and my, I call it kosher food traveling, uh, where I where I ate and what I ate. I'd love to hear about your food experiences too. So give me, uh, an, uh, you can uh, email me at uh, naomi at nachamsegal.com. You can join my uh, fan page on Facebook, The Aussie Gourmet, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, all that social media stuff. And I also have a newsletter if you want to sign up for that through my website. Um, so if you eat it, share it with me too. Or if you have something that you've made or that you've eaten somewhere, please, I, I, I like to hear about everyone and maybe I should find out where I should be eating next so you can tell me. Um, I just want to share some of my adventures. We didn't get to this last week because it was Tubishvat last week. Um, but I had some great eating adventures in Florida. Um, so many restaurants there. My kids were like yelling at us, why do we live in New York? Let's move to Florida. They've got restaurants, schools, shuls, and no snow. But I, I did warn them that it gets pretty cold in uh, – uh, pretty hot, sorry, pretty hot in July and August, so they might – Regret that, but um, yeah, it was really amazing uh, in Florida. I just want to give um, a shout out to a couple of restaurants. I'm not giving every restaurant a shout out, but I want to give three that I just fell in love with: Emuna Cafe in Fort Lauderdale area, Fuegos. I can't remember where exactly that is. I think it's in North Miami Beach. Fuegos was outstanding, and Century Grill, love them. They were all really well priced. Service was outstanding, and so was the food. So I must give them, you know, if you're going to Florida or you're in Florida, tell them that Naomi Nachman loved your food and you're there because I'm giving them a big shout-out. Another huge shout-out to the Loft Steakhouse. I am absolutely obsessed with you guys. Uh, Chef Aviva Friedman came out and spent a lot of time with us. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago we had Mechie Kornfeld? Uh, he came on the show. He's one of the chefs on the line, I think they say. And uh, he came in and we had he, when we had the CKCA show and he spoke a little bit about the Loft Steakhouse, got me all intrigued, organized a meal there, and it was amazing, amazing, amazing. One of the most incredible meals. Um, I was just telling Kim Kushner, my guest, who's going to be on the show. Uh, we'll introduce her in a sec. So I just want to, you know, if you haven't had a fabulous meal in New York or at this restaurant, make sure you put that at the top of your to-do list. In fact, next week, Aviva Friedman, one of the chefs, is going to be on the show where we're going to be having it live in Cedarhurst in Gomeglat. A great lineup. So we'll talk a bit, little bit more about that towards the end of our show. And... Um, I just want to announce the winner. We did this like already about, I know it was before New Year's Eve, I think even. Beth Warren was here. She's a nutritionist and she has a cookbook that is also a guide to healthy eating. So I just want to announce the winner uh, for uh, that show. Esty Miller, you won Beth Warren's amazing cookbook. And we're going to send that out to you. Thank you for everybody who uh, put your name in for the drawing. And we're going to have another one later on in the show. We've got an action-packed show. Kim Kushner, The Modern Menu. She's going to talk about her cookbook and her upcoming cookbook. And as well, we have Anna from Marani. Uh, I don't know if you see, saw me posted it. Marani um, Restaurant is in Rigo Park. And I was there a couple of weeks ago with the amazing Esty Berkowitz. And our hubbies came too. We had kind of like a date night, double date night with hubbies. And we went there. Georgian cuisine is unbelievable. Had no idea what it was. I'm going to share all that information with you as soon as Anna walks in the door. Um, she got a little bit delayed because, you know, the weather, everything's a bit slow and icy out there. So uh, really, you know, with all that, 
Kim, thank you for coming down. Thank you for having me. I, I know it's a little bit of a hectic time. It's a Friday. You're doing a photo shoot, and it's crazy cold and icy out there. So um, thank you for joining me. How's it going? It's going great. Thank you. This book, I'm just going to hold it up uh, to our viewers. We have quite a lot of viewers uh, we have most our listeners, but we have a, quite a lot of people who like to watch our show on the YouTube channel of the Nachum Siegel Net, and you can watch us right now or anytime on the YouTube channel or listen to our show on the archives. I'll throw that in too, or on the app, right? CK, on the app. Okay, we've got the modern menu. This is I'm just holding it up, and it really is simple, beautiful, kosher. Hello, how are you? Come on in. Um and it's really we're going to just we're going to spend we're going to spend a couple of minutes talking about this book because this is incredible. Thank you so much. Uh, I, when you sent me the book, I had actually seen it many times. My neighbours and I have a great block, and we share the cookbooks around. And I've made many things from there. And then when you sent me the book, I'm like, oh, I could read it. I read it from cover to cover, from the first page to the last page. It's a lovely story. It's lovely. It's amazing food. But I like the um, the photography blew me away. Nobody else has got a book like this. Hi, I'm just going to interrupt for one second. Hi, how are you doing? Anna has just walked in. She's going to pipe up in a little bit. Okay, warm up. It's all about you, Kim. I'm terribly sorry for interrupting. Absolutely. Um, you know what? I think that it is time that um, kosher cookbooks take a new turn for the better. Right. And that's why I felt, you know, I'm a big cookbook collector over the years, and I collect all types of cookbooks. I'm interested in all different types of cuisine. And I always noticed that, unfortunately, the kosher cookbooks really never held a candle to the non-kosher cookbooks, to the regular cookbooks. And I and I wondered why. There's no reason. You know, we do have some restrictions, but that doesn't mean that a kosher cookbook shouldn't be beautiful and easy to read and just really high quality. And that's what I was going for. I think the photography is super important. And I was very, very excited to have the amazing Andrew Zuckerman shoot my cookbook, The Modern Menu. And I think the photographs really tell you so much about the food. But but the photographs, and who does the styling? He does everything? No, actually, we had a food stylist on board. Her name is Victoria Granoff. She is, I mean, super talented, amazing. But really the truth is we didn't do so much to the food. It was the food, if you look through the book, we hardly use any props, everything. You know, there are no linens, there are no forks, there are no knives, there are barely any dishes. And the food was really just prepared and shot, and then we would sit around the table and eat it. That's what I love about this book. It doesn't have it's, – it's literally about the actual dish. Right. And there are so many cookbooks with – beautiful pictures and and you place the fork in just the right place and it's got a little bit of this and a little bit of that around the side and has on the linens this is just food i'm going to hold up to the camera um a shot um of of one of you know um here look at this this is my favorite picture okay this is what really blew me away have a look okay have you got that it is uh four different recipes right all put up on one page with um, how did you do this? It's, I'm, I'm just trying to describe it for our listeners. It looks like it's hummus and it's jalapeno and it's... Jalapeno uh, again and cauliflower. And cauliflower. But it's just sitting, it looks like it's sitting on the counter. Right. Rather than being plated on a beautiful mm-hmm. dish, it's straight up. So you are, the focus is the food. Right. Your eye is not wandering to something else. It's right. extraordinary. Well, I really wanted the book to be about nothing other than the food. I said from the beginning, I find that a lot of the cookbooks today are either about the celebrity who's writing it or the author or the, you know, or the restaurant or they're trying to sell something more than just the food. And I wanted this cookbook to be all about the food, all about the ingredients. I wanted the pictures. I wanted the reader to be able to look at the picture and know exactly what they were looking at. And what they were going to eat. Exactly. There's, there's no tricks to anything. It's just follow the recipe and it works out just like the photo. You don't have to put it on a fancy plate. You don't have to. Exactly. I mean, that's always nice when you do, but. Right. So it was about the simplicity of the ingredients. It was about just a really making a very clean book that showed clean food and mm-hmm. uh, that you don't need to do much to it to make it delicious. Right, clean. I like that. Clean lines, right? right. I, I love it. It's so. Let's let's take it back a couple of mm-hmm. steps to Kim as a little child. <laughs> Was Kim? A, I see that you're one of many siblings. Um, so I'm one of four. 
I am one of four. Okay, uh, I thought there was eight. No, so you know, people get confused because I write about my mom, who's oh, one of nine. Mom. But, yes. Okay, because that's a lot of Moroccans right. have their. I have a lot of Moroccan friends, and they're one of eight or nine. Right. So, um, you know, I grew up in a family in a house that was all about the food, continues to revolve around the food. I am one of three girls. We always helped my mom in the kitchen. You You're one of three? I'm okay. one of three girls. I have all girls. Oh, nice. And um, so I've always was cooking, but to tell you the truth, it's not something I ever thought that I would build a, a career out of. Um, I was born and raised in Montreal, and I moved to oh. New York. Yeah, I moved to New York uh, about 13 years ago after I married my husband. And when, after I got married, I started hosting a lot of dinner parties and just doing what I had always seen done. And people would say to me, oh, my God, this the food, the setup, this is amazing. This is wonderful. Can you teach a class? And I ended up enrolling in a culinary program here in Manhattan at the Institute of Culinary Education. And then I started doing private chef work. And it eventually led to teaching cooking classes. And I started a business called Kim Kushner Cuisine that is based on teaching cooking classes to New Yorkers. Very nice, because I know that a lot of New Yorkers need that. They've got small kitchens, Mm -hmm. and they need to have simple, easy, delicious, uh, fresh, and nutritious recipes. Right. And I also feel that, especially in New York, you know, the people here, particularly the women, they want to do everything. They want to have careers. They want to have families. They want to be able to cook beautiful meals and host beautifully. And that's why they were so eager to do it. When I first started teaching cooking classes, I just assumed, okay, you know, maybe a few stay-at-home moms would sign up. And I was so surprised to see the different people, the different ages, the different walks of life. These people came from careers and, and experiences. And I was really humbled that these type, all different type of people wanted to learn how to do this, how to do this effortless. Do you effortlessly. do this from your home or you go to other so people? So I used to have a space. Now I do it from my home, but mostly I go to other people's homes to show them the most successful way to use what they have right. to, to make it work. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. I do a lot of cooking classes also, mm. and I also feel very humbled when, like, you learn something from me, that's great. Like, it's really nice. But I always say that I never leave a class without learning something back. Absolute, Do you find that? Absolutely. I, I, Ab- yeah. yeah, sorry. No, absolutely. I, I, I taught I really a sushi do. class this week at my kid's high school. Um, and I, I did it with a real sushi chef from from um, Stop, Chop and Roll out there in Cedarhurst. A big shout out to you, our favorite sushi place. And, and like, um, he showed me that you grab a bowl of rice and you take the um, nori and you Pick, you put the rice in your hand and you pick up the nori with the rice. Mm-hmm. It kind of sticks to it, you know, hence sticky rice. That's what sushi actually means, sticky rice. And I thought, oh, that's a cool technique. And it was really cool. Like I, mm-hmm. I said to the girls, you never l- not learn anything, even post high school. So. It's so true. I, I really do feel that way as well. So um, so you started your, your cooking school, and when did this book idea come about? So, you know, as soon as I started teaching cooking classes, the the, the students would always say to me, um, I would hand out, like, printouts of the recipes, and they would say to me, but what about a book? We don't want these photocopies. We want a book. Yeah, people, yeah. So I came up with this concept of... Um, you know, creating a book that was divided into menus because that was another thing that a lot of the students asked me. They said, you know, I know how to make this and I don't know, and I know how to make this, but I don't know what, what would go with the chicken. And people doubt themselves so much. So I had an idea to create a cookbook that was, um, separated into sections and each section would be a complete menu. And I started writing this book and I really took my time with it. I mean, the whole project took me uh, over five years from start wow. to finish. Wow. <laughs> I hear that a lot. We've had a lot of cookbook authors, and they say it takes a long time to write a cookbook. But I have to say that I really put my heart into it, and it ended up being exactly what I dreamed it would I be. I feel t- – it's going to sound corny. I feel that your heart is in it. Like, it's just every, um, you know, uh, I is dotted and every T is crossed. There's amazing, amazing – you know, everybody probably thinks I say that about every book, and I am a big – uh, fan of all my all my um, guests' cookbooks, and they, everyone's put so much effort into it. But some just are a real standout, and I even like the fonts that you use. Yeah, I was really you lucky. Know, it's bold, it's clear. Even the smaller writing is clear and sharp. And like the picture I'm looking at now, it's Mediterranean style sea bass. It's on on page seventy four. It's just a piece of fish on the counter. And it's, it's side on. So you're looking at like at, like eye height. And it's just magnificent. And you're seeing 
the flesh of the fish with a topping on it. You want to like take a bite out of this book, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's, it's really lovely, and I like. I, of course, I like the back cover as well with the sliced beets. Big mm-hmm. fan of the beets. Thank you. So Kim is here. Also, she ran out of her studio, her set where she is doing her book number two. Yes. How long did this? Well, this took five years. So the second book, I'm assuming, was the follow-up to this giant success. So yes, um, this the modern menu was so well received, and it went into multiple prints, which is just so amazing and and great and wonderful. And the feedback has been amazing. And um, I was approached by Weldon Owen Publishers, and they asked me. Um, they took a chance on me to publish their first kosher cookbook. Weldon Owen, for those of you who don't know, they uh, publish a lot of the William Sonoma cookbooks. Wow! And wow, um, they are she's... an amazing. They are amazing. What an publishing honor! House. What yeah. an honor for you! Yeah, it's it's really amazing, and and I feel that the whole world is um, starting to view kosher as what it should be. Yes. And are not running away from it, rather running to it. And I think that that is phenomenal. I, you know, I was so surprised at how many non-kosher and not even Jewish people would buy the book. And, and, and I don't think the cookbook needs to be so differentiated, you know. It says the modern menu. It doesn't say the modern kosher menu. Right. It says the modern menu, simple, beautiful, and then kosher. Mm-hmm. Happens to be kosher, but it doesn't, right. it's not the focus. It happens to be kosher, but the focus isn't just fabulous food. Right. So when we were making the modern menu, uh, the food stylist on set, who was amazing, said, you know, what I like about this book is this isn't a kosher cookbook that happens to be great. This is a great cookbook that happens to be kosher. And I thought that that was a perfect way of saying it. I, I love that. That's Thank very you. that's very sweet. Yeah. You seem like you have a really good team. So what's the focus on the next book? Has it got a theme? So the next book is continuing in this concept of the new kosher. Um, and that's actually the title of the book is the new kosher cookbook. Um, and it is same thing. It's going to be more family style. They are, um, it's not going to be set divided into menus the way the modern menu was divided into menus. It is proper categories. So you have soup and salad and, and meat and fish, etc. I happen to like that. I don't like when things are all over the place. Right. I have so, to say, you know what? Like, it's very interesting. It's too confusing. I, I have like a billion cookbooks and the ones I gravitate to the most are the ones where it has the soup section, the fish I section. I think that people who are very comfortable in the kitchen, will gravitate towards cookbooks that are divided into sections that way. That way, if you know you have chicken breasts in the freezer, you're going to go to the chicken section. You're going to find the recipe you want. Right. But people who are a little bit more uncomfortable, they like to have a whole menu presented to them. It gives them everything they need in one. an interesting perspective. Yeah, I never thought about it like that. But um, so this cookbook is going to be into the proper, um, you know, meal categories, and it's going to be based on family-style food to share. And so there are big salads, big chicken dishes, big platters, food that you serve on platters, foods that you scoop into with a spoon, beautiful foods that are gorgeous for buffets and for Shabbat dinners and for Shabbat lunches. For entertaining. For for entertaining, but not even for entertaining. That These are dishes that can translate. They're perfect for your weeknight family dinner, and they will be just as perfect for entertaining. Beautiful, simple recipes. All of my recipes are simple. Many of them have under, you know, six or seven ingredients in them. And um, it's really exciting. We're shooting. We're in the middle of shooting right now and uh, almost coming to an end. And it's looking so beautiful. How long does a photo shoot take? So we are, we've done it all in one week. Oh my God. A book of this size in one week? Yes. Okay, so where is the food coming from? Is it all being prepared in your apartment? So half of this photo shoot took place in a studio, photo studio, and half of it in my apartment. So the crew came and set yes. up. So you shoot the food and then you eat the food. Yeah. Shoot and eat. Ooh, shoot cool. and eat, yeah. <laughs> I definitely want to come. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, Kim, Kim invited me to come and watch the, the, fo- the shoot. I've never actually been to oh, a photo shoot. I love it. it is, it's an amazing creative process. People don't I, – n- I never realized what went into putting a book together. The creativity, the art, the talent – it's not a one, you know, it's not one person. It's a really a whole team it's of people. It's a whole team. And yeah. you've got a, a great website also. So you've Thank got to you. be busy with the book and busy maintaining that website. The website also is in the same uh, motif as clean, easy to read, simple, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I, I like that bold. I wish mine looked like that. Oh, uh, thank you. <laughs> and it has a cute video at the front. Oh, I thank like that. You. Yes, thanks. 
um, yeah, it's kimkushner.com, and I do put up a blog, and I try to put up new recipes as often as I can. But the whole the whole style is really that it's clear and clean, and the recipes are easy to follow. Not too many ingredients. Simple. Simple recipes that really produce an amazing, beautiful, delicious product. That's what I'm going for. Okay. And when can we expect this book to come out? <laughs> so we are expecting this book to come out just before the Jewish high holidays, so at the end of August. Okay. okay so we're really, soon, uh, yeah, that's soon. before you know it. So. I know. Everyone laughs at me because I'm a, I do a lot of cooking for people for Pesach. So for me, the minute like January hits, it's air of Pesach. Right. And people like are ready to kill me. People have like told me I'm, I'm going to friend you on Facebook. I'm not going to talk to you the way you're hyping up Pesach. But how it's like the excitement of, you know, being prepared for Purim or Pesach like weeks in advance. Like, you know, I think about the holiday and I think, you know, being, you know, from person that's a nice thing to do is to be excited about the upcoming Chagim. And, you know, I plan for Shabbos on Monday. People really I think, I'm, think I'm crazy. Too. Right. Like if you're a cook and you want to make a nice meal, you don't have to feel pressured. And I've discussed this with other people as well. You do not have to feel pressured to do everything on Thursday or Friday. You just have to be a little bit organized, start the week off early, invite on Monday, shopping lists on Tuesday, Shopping on Wednesday and then cook on Thursday. Like, right. It doesn't I all have to be think, all in one day. I also think, and this is what I try to show in my books and in my classes, that there are a lot of little things that you can do beforehand. I'm not talking about freezing a month in advance. That, you know, you right. do when you have to do right. And we Absolutely. all have time to do it. I'm not putting it down. But there are little steps you could take. If you have your herbs cleaned, if you have your spice blends ready to go, if you have your crumb topping already, you know, in the fridge ready to go, little steps that certainly make it easier. I, you know, my fridge is like very organized and I have a lot ready to go. So when I want to put dinner together, prepare Shabbat, I just grab and go basically. My, you know, my, my lettuce is triple cleaned in the paper towel wrapped in the fridge, grab it out. The carrots are grated. Everything is ready to go. So it certainly makes it so much easier. Right. You know, I also try to do that with a lettuce because, like, even coming home, you know, sometimes it gets very hectic Mm -hmm. and shows and cooking demos and radio shows. We're we're a house of girls, like my poor husband. (laughs) And we need to have, like, food ready to go quickly. And I love – we're big on salads, but I really try to have all that lettuce. When I come home, the lettuce is – I think – for me, that's the hardest part right. is the lettuce. <laughs> but cutting it all up, because it's, it's all done, just cutting it up, throwing in a few veggies, salad, done. You know? Exactly. We're, we're all busy people, whether we're retired. There's always something going on. And you of need course. to you need to really stay ahead of the game plan, especially now we've got a very busy season coming up. You know, we Purim is in four weeks mm-hmm. and Pesach, we said, is in eight weeks. So you can start thinking about that. And there are, you know, we've got Kim's book now a lot of your recipes can be made for Pesach yes um with the so many amazing ingredients that are out there now that you know there's nothing even sweet chili sauce you know you can get that you can put that on so many things fresh vegetables there's so much you can do without um you know having the stress of looking around for you know heavy ingredients to make but there are some great cookbooks out there um we're going to be interviewing quite a lot of um uh, cookbook authors in the next couple of weeks who are specializing in Pesach as well. We're going to have Poya Shoya. We're going to have Aviva Kanoff coming on, onto the show. Next week, we've actually got Dahlia Weiss. Her book is not for Pesach, but she does actually have, um, for every month, she has a different challah. Mm. So it actually has one for Nissan, which is cool because, you know, you think just matzah for Nissan, but, you know. Um, so there are some great cookbooks out there. Look out for something new and also the, all the blogs and Recipe sharing and on Facebook and the Facebook groups, Instagram has gone crazy. Yeah, I think it's such an exciting time right now for the world of kosher. And I, I think it's so empowering. So many women, especially in New York area, by the way, are just blowing it out of the park. There yeah. are so many entrepreneurs doing these amazing kosher things. It's just unbelievable. This past summer, I held a, you know, I had befriended so many women in the culinary world just through Instagram. So I didn't really know them, but... There was just this crazy support, and I decided to throw a potluck dinner party. Yeah, I heard. <laughs> and I invited about ten of these women that I had connected with over Instagram, and we had this amazing potluck dinner under the Manhattan sky, oh. and everybody brought something. We all got to know each other, and it was really just a celebration of the direction that this kosher world, especially the women in this kosher world, are are going. They're, and they're nailing it. 
It's Everyone. unbelievable. Uh, you know who I want to meet? Um, I, I contact them through Facebook. Um, cooking in heels and Chef oh, Chaya. Oh, oh my um, God. I, I, I love, I love busy in Brooklyn. I'm very friendly uh-huh, with Honey and Melinda Strauss. They've all got their followers. Um, but these two have oh. blown it out of the water. I am dying to get those two in the studio together. I'll, I'll hook you up. Yeah. <laughs> I love them. I just follow their stuff. Oh, they're, they, they have are, a not normal man. They have more than anybody else in terms of followers on Instagram. They're amazing. Uh, they're, they're adorable. They're these two young, vibrant. They were at my potluck dinner. That's where <laughs> I met them. And I mean, Chef Chaya is in league of her own. I'm crazy about her. And so she is, she just had a baby. She's cooking. She's, they're both great. It's just, I'm really happy to be part of this movement and I feel very honored to to be part of it. And and I think what's amazing is all of us come from a different place, right. maybe have a different level of observance, but really the focus is the same. And I think that's really something honorable. And it's nice that everyone's so supportive. Absolutely. I love that. You know, everyone really supports each other. When someone does something, everybody really cheers. Mm-hmm. You know, people get picked up by here and by there, like Honey Applebaum's had a bit of social media attention as well. She's, you know, social media and network. She's, she was just on the... Um, Meredith Vieira show yes. for her latkes. Yes. Everyone just is so proud of her and proud of you and just everything that's going on. It's, re- it's really fabulous. And everyone's really proud of amazing kosher restaurants yes. <laughs> that we have got here. Anna, I'm going to ask you to, am I saying it right? Anna? Anna. Yes, Anna. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. There you go. Not Anna. <laughs> Anna. Um, okay. Do me a favor. We just, Anna came in a few minutes after we started recording. Um, so I'm going to ask you to write your name down and the name of the restaurant, and we're going to pop that over to ZK, and he's going to pop that up on the screen so everyone can see all the details. But, you know, you know, I'm going to bring Anna now into the conversation, and then we're going to talk more about the restaurant and her beginnings. But it's amazing how the coach in- industry has gone crazy. So Alain Cornbloom, I'm going to give you a big mention because, you know, you started your, your magazine and you started your now Facebook foodie group which has got over 3,000, within one week he got 3,000 people on this foodie group and people are sharing. Hopefully they're not tearing anyone down, but just sharing good food. I never go out to eat anymore without taking a picture of my food and posting it. You know, it's nice. It's, it's, um, it, okay, all good. Um, it's, it's nice that people can share. Go to this restaurant, eat that. Go to this, that mm-hmm. restaurant, eat this. Like it's, it's fun and, you know, you have had a lot of attention in, in, uh, Marani. So, Welcome. How are Thank you? Thank you. I'm sorry I was late. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not easy. It's a Friday morning. Um, and it's, uh, it's a little hectic for everyone. So, yeah. I made it. I'm yeah, sure. you did good. Thank you for yes. coming in. Um, I heard about your restaurant through Alan's social media group and Donnie Klein from Yeah, That's Kosher. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, have you, have you, have you, Heard? No, but I'm I'm looking at my calendar right <laughs> now Kim's and writing it down. <laughs> Kim's grabbed um, her phone. I want to go. I just want to so. say at the beginning of the show, I gave a few restaurants a bit of a shout out, but I didn't mention you on yours on purpose because you're not only getting a shout out, you're getting a segment, which Thank I think you. is like for me, like I'm so grateful for your restaurant because it's nice to have something different. I I call it in. Certain neighborhoods have restaurants, all Israeli restaurants, and I love the Israeli food, but they're all very similar. I want something completely different. I don't want to see feta cheese in a panini, a wrap, or an omelet again. I'm done. And I love what feta cheese. What about the sushi and the steak? The and sushi the two and the together. steak, yeah, fantastic. <laughs> it's, 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 we've, we've seen, we've, we've seen a lot, but now I want to see something different. And you are showing us something different. So, We're trying, yes. So um, I'm just going to fill people in. Marani, am I saying it right? Mm-hmm, yes. What does it mean? It means wine cellar. Oh, mm-hmm. oh I like that. Since <laughs> it is a Georgian restaurant, Georgia is actually where uh, wine was originated, not in France or any other country. That's where wine was first made. Really? Uh, right. So that's kind of where the name comes from. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they actually have a really nice... Um, Wine, uh, what do you call it? A wine cellar. What that we, wine we have rack? This place. They're actually vintage. They're about sixty years old. They're clay wine holders. Not only do they control the temperature of the wine properly, but they give it like that authentic. That's look. a real. That's electronic. That thing. That wine cellar thing. It's not, but the clay part the, of it. The clay it keeps part. the clay is what keeps the temperature because oh. the wine used to be stored in basements or in cellars. Right. So the cold. Clay keeps the temperature of the wine. So of interesting. Red wine. I actually proper. took a photo by it, and I'm actually holding it. If you go onto Instagram, at so many likes. I there's a, a, a picture there that says something about um, I love to 
cook with wine. Sometimes, sometimes I, I add it to the food. I yes. add it to the food. <laughs> so I took a picture of that, me holding it, and with the wine set in the background, I got like a hundred likes. Oh, <laughs> so thank like in you. Ten minutes because I thought that was very cute. Okay, so let's talk a little bit. How long have you been here? In US, in the US, I moved in. So, we moved in 2001, September oh, 2001. Oh, okay. So, because you know, we both have accents here. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit, right? And I have multiple different accents, so people usually can't even tell where I'm from. I don't even know where I'm from. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm Australian now. I'm American, but I really think of myself as American. I do which too. Is funny. But whenever I try to apply myself directly to being Georgian or to being Russian, I grew up in Moscow, or to being American, I don't fit. I don't fit a hundred percent either one of the molds. I feel like I'm just a combination of multiple different. Um, You're melting. You yourself yes, are a melting pot. I'm a pot. <laughs> yes, unique. there you go. You're yeah. unique, one That's of a kind. Cool, and you're Canadian, so there you so go. There you go. <laughs> you, well, there was a big melting pot right here on Table for Two. You are listening to Table for Two on the Nachum Siegel Network, heard on Arutsheva English Radio. Our show is sponsored by Hod Golan, the height of taste. Okay, so back to our conversation about the restaurant and the uniqueness that it is, because nobody else here has. Um, well, no one in the world has no a kosher el- Georgian No one else? Not all. even in Israel? Not even in Israel. Because my daughter went on a shuk tour and she ate the kachapuri. Only dairy, correct. Oh, only dairy. Correct. Oh, I think mm-hmm. I can say it, kachapuri. Kachapuri, yes. Kachapuri. Uh-huh. Oh, I said it right. You did it good. Oh, I was there last week after the show. We mm-hmm. went home after our show uh, with Naomi Ross last week. We watched our Tobi Shvat show last week and um, we went home via your restaurant because we wanted to have a kachapuri. Yes, the dairy. <laughs> Actually, we're also the only restaurant that has in New York both dairy and meat Right, it's, in one establishment. So you walk in, you go down the stairs on the left right. is the dairy. Correct. If you continue walking straight, you have a beautiful ambiance. And I know a little secret that you're also a decorator. I'm an interior architect, yes. So the restaurant is gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. Oh, a beautiful ambiance. I love thank it. You. The way, it, you. you know, the whole look of it and as well as the food. So let's talk a little bit about um, what is Georgian food? The question we've all been waiting for. What is Georgian food? Um, you know what's interesting about Georgian food? It's very, very flavorful. We even tone it down. The way really? We cook in the restaurant, yes. We try to kind of make everyone happy. So we tone, down, tone it down a little bit. But it's comfort food. But we elevate it just a little bit. We make it just a little just bit more Just a little bit. Just a lot. The food is... Whether it's the plating or just the way the food is prepared, we try to elevate it a little bit, but it's comfort food. Okay. Elevated comfort food. Okay. So give me some examples. Besides the kachapuri, which is... Um, you could, Why don't you describe it? Because you'll do a better well, I'll, job. I'll, I'll I know try. how it tastes. I'll try. And I'll you'll try. Sh- I'll, t- I'll describe that part to my listeners. But you, you can... Uh, well, Georgian food, I'll start with the appetizers. Uh, it's very big on walnuts. So we yeah, use walnuts. walnuts, but we don't use them in a chopped manner or in a, we kind of make it into which works perfect in a kosher cuisine because it turns and gives it this creaminess. So once you pulverize the walnuts, it gives it this kind of creaminess to all the food. So poly is a very important part of uh, Georgian dishes, which is the samplers that you... Poly? Tra- poly. With an H. Parley. Okay. You're so good. Parley. You should come oh. stay with me. Just okay. I'll learn, I'll learn. <laughs> I speak a little Russian. Oh, you do? I can say Ticha Rosha Djevichka. Oh, that's not a bad thing. That's Usually a, people throw something. That means you're a l- lovely little girl. Yes. I learned that when I was in high school. That's, that's it. Nicharosha. Nice. That means great. See, no negative. No, no negative nothing, words out of my Nothing. Mouth. That's lovely. Okay. Um, so poly is really big, and it, it's kind of like spreads, which is interesting in kosher cuisine because we're so used to the Mediterranean spreads and the Israeli and, you know, all of that. So we bake our own breads, which are very popular. We, they we, are unbelievable. Go onto my Instagram page and find the night I was at Marani with Esti Berkowitz. Right. It's, so it's unreal. Like this long it's, baguette. I wish we could go there afterwards, Kim. <laughs> It's not this, Erev Shabbos. No, no, but tomorrow night. Yeah. Um, it's this long baguette, and it, Amazing. and we do the samplers. That way you get to try a little bit of everything. The spinach with walnuts, the beets with walnuts, eggplant, eggplant roll-ups with walnuts. And the spices are just so different. There's nothing else like it in the kosher cuisine. It's all imported from Georgia. Even if you try to get the same blend anywhere, whether that's in India or in Israel or in U.S., it's not going to taste the right. same. You we tried. Some, you mm-hmm. bought some out to me. There right. are no... Right. There are no 
Kim's having a look. There are no spices like that. You cannot buy it. What are they called? Ah, uh, well, there is chameli sunelli. Chameli sunelli. It's an untranslatable play of words. Uh, there is the svanuri marili, which is the special mix of salts. There is nothing else like it in the kosher cuisine. And what's interesting about our restaurant, when we were opening it up, I, we only eat kosher. And I always felt like there were these sort of falafel places or shawarma places or really upscale places. There was never anything in between where you can just go on a nice date that doesn't have to be in a steakhouse and you have to, uh, you know, and you're surrounded with, um, you know, people in suits. I don't know. I just never felt that those upscale steakhouses felt romantic sometimes. And when you eat only kosher and you want to go somewhere, maybe that's a little bit more ethnic. Maybe that's a little bit more interesting. But yet not kind of a you know that falafel place or something like that you want to go somewhere that's yeah there's not a lot of options like that just to sit in a uh, you know in a neighborhood restaurant at a candlelit dinner where it's just a different concept yeah it is it is that it's it's um it's it was dimly lit it was romantic the food wasn't these $75 steaks that's what I was thinking that you know when you want to go to kosher steakhouse it's, You're both going to take yeah, out a mortgage. It's it's really expensive, and you don't want to take also families. I I, I rarely take my children out to steakhouses. We're for very children friendly. It's I don't want to buy them a steak for fifty dollars. My, you know? kids, my <laughs> kids would eat that. The ambiance just does not invite for you to go there with your children. It just doesn't. So the, your restaurant does, and that's what, you know, it's fun. Downstairs is very low-key. Very, very casual. Well, it's an open kitchen. It kind of helps us with having the two, the, both the halav and the meat in one place. It helps that the kitchen is open. That way when people come in, you can see it all prepared in front of you. So that's really, you know, helpful. Yeah, we watched we watched your chef. Right. Um, the kachapuri is uh, basically like a, a bread. It's an open-faced bowl-shaped. Uh, there bread you go. Bowl, essentially. It's open face, and it has like a little bit on the side, like handles or right, mostly. right, right. So what they touch, and in, in the middle is the boat, and it has butter and eggs, right. And then you, they showed us how to eat it. There's a method to eating this Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Like you pull off the handles and you swirl the middle of the the melting butter and the egg, mm-hmm. and then you kind of like dip it and eat it. My right. mouth is watering. <laughs> do you open for brunch? Sometimes? Yes, we do oh. brunch, and we just started doing a new dish for brunch. Oh. Because since I opened the restaurant. I wanted to do something that's that same Acheruli boat upstairs. Yeah. I wanted to do a meat play on it. <gasps> so we finally came up with something. I tried every part of cheese there is. I tried the tofu. I tried everything. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. It's just terrible. Never do it. <laughs> just <laughs> go without the cheese. Um, so we're now serving for brunch with unlimited mimosas. Unlimited mimosas. Oh, we're going. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's the same you boat. And we fill it yeah. with shakshuka. Oh. Oh my God! <laughs> but shakshuka made with Georgian spices, which is actually a very traditional, also Georgian dish. I mean, I guess we're all kind of related. We're so close to Turkey, so we still have a lot of Mediterranean influences in our food. So shakshuka is something that we, my, you know, my mom made all did the you, time. Did she call it shakshuka? No. What did they call we, it? They call it, if you translate it into English, um, tomato sauce. Egg and tomato sauce. Yeah, if you translate it, yes. Um, so uh, we do shakshuka with the egg in that same boat. And it's so flavorful, you don't miss the cheese. I guess the egg, uh, you know, the runny yolk replaces that cheesiness. It's just amazing. And it's upstairs in the, in the meat restaurant. It's upstairs, yes, upstairs. It's been very popular. Oh. We just started for two weeks. Okay, we're going to have to try that one. I had the kachapuri and I've had a lot of the stuff upstairs. Uh, but I would like to try that. You know what they make? Amazing cocktails. Oh yes, that's the that's the one thing that actually I, I I'm also very proud of, because most of you know uh, we're in Queens. I'm in Rigo Park. It's a whole different kosher scene in Rigo Park. Yeah, where we it are. really is. It's completely different from Manhattan, and it's completely different from Brooklyn. Not only is it different in the way the businesses are run, but also the clientele that comes in. It's a whole different world. I'm probably not going to get into too much detail as to why that is, but it's a whole different world. And most kosher restaurants in Queens, in Regal Park, not only don't they serve cocktails, but they don't even have a liquor license. So that also helps with our concept. We just went a little bit more young, a little bit more modern. Yeah. We want, right. Hip, trendy, modern. But not too much, you know. Do you need a reservation? Depends on the night. If it's Saturday, Saturday or Sunday night. night. Yeah. Can, I, can so. I make a reservation with you? <laughs> <laughs> Kim's hopping on that. 
I'll make sure you get a table. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I have photographic memory. I remember everything and everyone. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll be there. Uh, but I mean, when you were there, we were having a humongous you, sheva. Yeah, it's nice for, like, that you do that. People. It's a. Ni- mm. So you have a private. Do you have a private? No, it's on on that on that level. And but we didn't the, feel that's great for people to we, know that you're always people are always looking for kosher options for parties or big right. parties. And we didn't feel as guests not at the at the uh, as patrons not as part right. of the rest the sheva. We did not feel it was noisy or squishy or anything. Wow. We try, yeah. Sometimes. No, that no, that's that's definitely a nice thing to know um, if you are in Queens and if you people and we have people listening from all over the country and all over the world, um, but especially the New Yorkers, Rigo Park is it, it's near uh, the Queens Shopping Centre, right? Not too far away, Not right? It's uh, and there was five pl- minutes away from Forest, Hill. and there's plenty of parking. So yes. Yes. It is a very nice neighborhood. It's a changing neighborhood. There's a lot of construction going on. Yeah. Every week we have uh, people coming in who've moved away from Manhattan or the hip parts of Brooklyn that are moving to Regal Park because you're literally 10 minutes away from Midtown. So it's the neighborhood is changing very quickly. And we like the fact that we have a mix of um, um, more religious clientele and people who absolutely have nothing to do with kosher food at all and that we're able to cater to both and make both feel comfortable and make people understand that kosher food does not mean whatever it is they think it means. I'm not sure what it is they think, but I try to explain to them, how are the vegetables washed? How are the greens washed? What does glad kosher meat mean? When you explain it, and, you know, most of our clientele are very educated. And when you explain to them what that means, they appreciate it. They understand what they're eating. They understand that it's a healthy animal to begin with. They understand that there is never going to be a bug in their food that came from greens or parsley or cilantro or anything like that. It's very interesting. Wow. So so I have a, I have a question for you. We, we, we've spoken about, you know, the, the appetizers and, and, and the dips and the kachapuri. Right, right. But you haven't mentioned, and we have to talk about... How you cook it in the clay pots. Oh, yes. Okay, because they're stews. <laughs> Georgian food is great on stews. But that's very Moroccan also, right? Mm-hmm, yes. Him? Yes. Tajin. Tajin. Of course. So, so, so and you guys bake the bread in the tandoori oven, which is the way Georgian bread is supposed to be baked. So c- can you explain what that kind of cooking means and or is? Especially, I, we had something that was, I think it was beef or chicken or lamb. I don't know. Some meat dish. Yes, yes, with yes. With red. Remember yes. I, I said I'll... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I'm not going to go there. It's all about <laughs> the marriage of the ingredients when you cook everything together, when you don't combine them afterwards, but when everything is being cooked together, it just turns into magic. The tomato and the eggplant and the potato and the meat and the spices and the onions and the garlic, when it's all together for 25 minutes of passion in the oven, passion. I mean, it just... <laughs> I like that. You say, passion in the oven. I like that. All of that. Just passion in the oven. I've never heard that term. That's great. I'm giving that a big clap. <laughs> Uh, when all of that just happens together, you get magic on a plate. That's magic on the plate. Yes. And I think that's key. And I think that's what's missing when, you know, kosher food just became so boring for some time. Now it's becoming exciting. There's right. so many interesting restaurants opening up. And I follow a lot of it on Instagram and Facebook. And I'm very active because I'm interested. That's kind of where the, where my passion is as right. well. So it's really changing. And I'm so proud of it. And I'm so glad about how they're approaching it now that these restaurants are hip. They're modern. They're clean. They're elegant. They don't look like kosher establishments from outside, whatever that stigma has become right. from some of the, you know, places that have been run for many years. Now they look like nice modern restaurants where anyone can go in and just maybe have a glass of wine and just try a little appetizer. Why not? Yeah, it's maybe an, a great on a matzo Shabbos. You're looking, you've got the nibble, Shabbos goes out, mm-hmm. six o'clock now. You want a glass of wine, a nice glass of wine, a cocktail and some, some light dinner. Make your right. way over to Marani. Right. Um, let's talk a little bit about your background. So you said you've been here since 2001. Right. Okay. When did you start cooking? I don't cook. She doesn't cook. <laughs> what do you mean you don't cook? I eat. She <laughs> eats. She eats. I say I'm a professional eater. <laughs> yes. You know what? Um, there's not a lot of women restaurant owners in general, especially in the kosher industry. And She's a pioneer. And I wouldn't say so. I mean, I know there are others, but there, it's just not as... Uh, Prominent. Yeah. He, Absolutely. And um, 
I know how to eat. I know how to eat very well. I can tell flavors and I'm very concerned about the plating and, um, Freshness of ingredients. So when we were looking for a chef, well, I can't be everywhere. I can't. So you decided. You decided one day you you came to America and you decided I'm going to own a restaurant. Oh, absolutely not. Okay. Well, I want to hear this process. Let's let's hear this process. Absolutely not. I came here. I come from a very academically strong uh, family, and I was supposed to be definitely a doctor or definitely a lawyer. My father is still how, how waiting. How Jewish is that? Oh, very, very <laughs> Jewish. Not only did I not marry a doctor or a lawyer, but I also didn't become one. Um, I went to school here. I went to pre-law. And right before I was going to go to law school, I decided that I didn't want to be a lawyer because the type of work I wanted to do was very pro bono, and it just would never pay my loan out of Colombia. So I went to interior architecture because I was working as an interior designer while I was in school. So that reflects into your restaurant. Yes. um, I think attention to detail is very important in anything you do, and that my schooling kind of taught me that. Um, So I went to interior architecture school, and I do still have my practice. I do interior architecture as well. But the restaurant started out with having nothing to eat in Queens. Me and my husband constantly struggled to go to find something to eat. And one day we just decided that there is no Georgian food at all, and there was one in Israel. And we always remembered what a wonderful time we had in this Georgian restaurant in Israel. And um, we decided to give it a try. Why not? And uh, six months after we wanted to open a restaurant, it happened. Six months. Six months. Mm-hmm. Ah, I thought it would have taken a lot longer. No, 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 no. We kind of just, you know. I pushed and pushed and pushed. We found the real estate and we just went for it. We found, we got really lucky with our staff. I mean, without them, the restaurant would not exist. Yeah, your staff is fantastic, um, helpful. Absolutely would not exist. The chef is amazing. He's passionate about everything that he's doing. And he's Georgian? He's not. So how did he learn all these recipes? It's so different. You can't go to chef school. No. Kim has been to chef school. You didn't learn Georgian food, right? No. no. He's actually from Georgia, but he's Armenian. From Georgia. Okay. So, so he didn't know kosher. No, he didn't know kosher. He didn't know kosher, and he, but he did know Georgian cooking. Yes. Okay. He was right. <laughs> familiar with Georgian food, but he did not know These kosher. Are... But, um, you know, we've had a mashgiach, and we did training for three weeks, and the sous chef actually has been cooking in glad kosher cuisines for um, eight years. Okay. So he was very he was familiar. Really... Um, and everyone else just had to be trained. Uh, it was a little tricky in the beginning, you know, having both in, in one restaurant, because we do have three kitchens, one of which is dairy. But, you you know, it, it's now smooth sailing. Everyone is very passionate. No one comes to the, to work at Morani and just punches out their 12 hours of work. They have music blasting in the kitchen, and they're just having a good time. And until that plate is completed, he won't give it to you. And if you touch it, he'll... <laughs> give he'll you a patch. He'll, yeah, he'll give you a patch. He'll hit your hand. Don't touch his plate <laughs> until it's ready. And, you know, that's kind of how we do it. The hardest part was for him learning to work with glacosha meat. It comes salted and it comes soaked. So um, it's learning to work with that type of meat uh, in a commercial environment. So we did have, um, you know, some issues in the beginning, but now he's he's as kosher as it gets. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> wow. We're going to take a segment break. We're going to do our What's for Dinner segment. It's sponsored by our friends at Gourmet Glut. I know that Tuvishvat was last week, but I have a recipe uh, that I must share with everybody. I wanted to make a uh, seder, as we spoke about uh, last week on the show with Naomi Ross, uh, Jay Booksbaum, and Russell Robinson. And I wanted to do something for my family. Um, and there was just one dish that I wanted to share with my listeners that I thought was like a standout. I was in Gomeglat and I wanted to, um, I wanted to, uh, make something, uh, a dish with each one of the chef aminim. So I took, um, the, uh, figs and I'm like, I have never worked with dried figs. I've used tons of fresh figs. Um, but I, uh, Susie Fishbein actually taught me how to cook with fresh figs. So I took dry figs. I'm like, what am I going to do with this? So I felt like I needed to like, you know, loosen them up a little bit. So I, I, I took all my figs. I cut them in half and I put them in a pot. I put in balsamic vinegar, um, some honey and some peach nuts and I put it together and I brought it to the boil and then I simmered it for about five to 10 minutes on low. So the figs, um, 
soaked in all this magnificent flavor from my three ingredients. It's a little sweet, a little fruity, which I thought was appropriate. And, and of course, um, you know, I, I love the tartness of, uh, balsamic vinegar. It's got nice and soft and broken down. I scooped out the dried figs out of the, the sauce, the liquid. I saved my poaching liquid, by the way. And I put it in a, a salad bowl and then I crumbled goat cheese onto it. It was unreal. I mixed it and then I started smearing it on a cracker. It was unreal. And the, that was the wheat, the wheat from the chita uh, from one of the Sheva Minim. So I had two things at once that were going in. And it was absolutely a fabulous meal. And I really wanted a fabulous side dish. I really want, or you could use it as an appetizer. But I just wanted to share that with you. I'm going to try and post that on my blog in the next week or so because that was really something special. I just had to share it with everybody. Um, so moving along from our What's for Dinner segment, we do that every week. We try to share something I've cooked during the week. Um, if anybody has actually a great recipe that they've created themselves, uh, send it to me and that can also be our What's for Dinner segment. I'll read it out on the What's for Dinner segment. So it was just, you know, like when you're trying to make something, like you're not sure what to do with this ingredient. I'm like, I think this will go well together and that will go well together. I guess sometimes the best recipes are created that way. I actually have the la- very last recipe in the book is also with dried figs. Oh, great. Oh. Yeah, and it's for this one here. It's okay. for fig and pecan biscotti. It's probably one of the most Delicious. popular uh, oh, recipes nice. in the book. This is like, this is my tried and true. Every week I make two batches in my house and every week... Lesson. Can I make reservations at your house? Yeah. I know. We're coming. We're going. We're going for dinner. I love figs. We actually make the fig cocktail that were pretty popular. I think I had it. Oh yes. my god, you're right. Yes. So I never. I'm telling you, I did not eat a fig in a long time, and now because it's, it's all about to the make fig. a Georgian cocktail. What's a Georgian cocktail? There's no really such thing. Right. So you know, fig is uh, very popular in Georgia. So we make a fig preserve, and then we mm. make a I cocktail like out of it. You know what an Australian cocktail is? Beer. <laughs> I should have guessed that. Just beer. Right. A lot of it. A lot of beer. <laughs> yeah. So, no, that I we had that cocktail. That's right. That's funny. We asked you, we wanted only to eat real Georgian food. Right. I love when I travel, and I don't know how you guys feel as both as fellow foodies. I don't want to eat at the local. I love Israeli food, and I'm going to say it again because I don't want anyone to think, because I said earlier that I don't love Israeli food. I love Israeli food. I actually had a nice place in Boca. Um, their restaurant uh, loses me of um uh, an Israeli restaurant there was quite new. Um, so I love it. But I, when I go to Paris, I don't want a falafel. Uh, when I go to Italy, I don't want to have, you know, something that, uh, kind of, what did I have? Uh, schnitzel and chips, you know. I want to eat. Is that where you had it? In the Jewish uh, ghetto? So, so I went to the ghetto. How wonderful is the food there? The, the, at Gum Gum? Yes. It, have you been to Gum Gum? I haven't been to Venice. No. It is amazing. We spent Shabbat dinner with them, but I want to eat Venetian food. So when I was in Italy, I had everything with artichokes in it because that's what they're famous for. Right. And when I, you know, when I went, to, well, there was nothing to eat in Hawaii, but I ate a lot of, we went to the farmer's markets to get fruit that are, is only grown on those islands and can't be exported off the island. So you can only eat a tree tomato in Hawaii on in Maui or Kauai or whatever. I want to eat the local cuisine. I don't, you know. Of course. And that's what I, you know, when we go to your restaurant, we're actually eating local cuisine. But, you know, right here on the Lower East Side, what do you eat? Bialis and pickles, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right up on Essex Street and Grand Street. Yeah. Right. So, no, I, I, I want to eat. I want to eat. Yeah. I want local, local Authentic. food. Oh, authentic. authentic. Uh, I mean, we have a nice mix of everything. Sometimes we'll have a a table of 10, and out of 10, seven really want to dive into the real authentic flavors and try anything, even if you maybe, maybe this particular one is not your flavor, but they dive into it. And out of 10 dishes that they'll try, they'll love nine. And um, some people will come and get the steak or the salmon. Right. Which also has to be up to par and has to be delicious. Right. So um, it's interesting to see how people eat and <laughs> why. Uh, Who's picky. Right, right. It's really, really interesting. Are your kids picky, both of you? Okay. My kids eat everything. Yeah. My kids too. Um, my little one did not like the fig thing last night, by the way. She's seven. <laughs> I, will, I will put that as a thing. That was too exotic for her. She had crackers and cream cheese. That's interesting. My daughter is eight. She's, uh, she eats. She doesn't like greens, but I guess kids don't like greens. Yeah. You know, anything that has greens on top, she just won't eat it. But other than that, she'll, she'll eat anything. Yeah. My, we, my, we eat a lot of fish. Oh, yeah, my kids fish. love yes. fish. Yeah. A lot of fish. 
Yeah, but not everybody pushes their kids to eat fish. Can I just say, it's so important for everyone's kids to eat fish once a week. It's like good for the brain, Absolutely. so much brain development. Absolutely. And it's got all the good cholesterol. So you're getting that into your system early on in life, building really strong, healthy bones and brains. If, and if you start them young enough, especially fish is one of the first things that I gave my kids mm-hmm. when they started, even before teeth, because it's almost softer Soft. than chicken. Like you break it up and mush it up right. and they'll eat it. Right. So I always gave like a simple tilapia. Like I started with very simple or a lemon sole. Mm-hmm. And now my children love fish. Yeah. yeah. We don't have any, with so many fish restaurants in New York, right? Speaking about. Kosher? Like. Oh, I think there are some. Just specializing in fish? Oh, I guess there's butter fish. Oh, oh, but yeah. that's, that's a lot of J- a Japanese, that's sushi and guess, steak as well. Yeah. But I like fish at basil. They do a nice job. Yeah. With the okay. Fish. I like fish at Marani as well. Marani. They're really yeah. nice. I heard Ranzina. it's the best. <laughs> <laughs> but something a little bit more adventurous, I think there is. Yeah, I gotta, yeah. I, I will, I will, I would love to try like something outrageous with fish. Like something that I have not seen anywhere else. I got a challenge. It's a date. It's a, it's date. a date. We're all chef. going. Yes. Uh, I, I make a lot of, I write a lot of fish recipes for Aussie's fish in Gomeglat and, and, um, you know, it's it's exciting and, and I love when I come up with something new and, and people are making it. But I want someone to show me something like, ah, you know, what what else? It, it's a challenge you, for my listeners. But if you've got an amazing fish recipe, share it with me. But don't you think fish is really the best simple? And for me, that's my opinion. I don't like it when I order a fish and there's too much sauce. And I just feel if you start off with something very fresh, buns, you know, and it's grilled and there's lemon and there's right. some herbs... Go go exotic on the side, you know. Right. That's my opinion, but it's too delicate sometimes That's to right. add too much to it. Right. I agree. You can drown it out, which is right. not good. Also, and right. I also I, I don't like I love a little hot sauce, but I don't want hot sauce all over my mm-hmm. like spicy fish. And I don't. I do like Moroccan salmon. Mm-hmm. That is like I do too. Yeah, and Moroccan I have a great food. recipe for Moroccan salmon. In the upcoming book, we are just going to have to wait for that. Yes. We can make that, put that on your Rosh Hashanah menu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this has been a very exciting show, um, ladies. Thank we, you. It's so a much. real chit chat, a chit chat fest of you know talking to two brilliant women who are in the food industry, uh, Kim Kushner from Kim Kushner Cuisine and author of the Modern Menu. And I'm going to hold that up for the people that are watching. Um, and also uh, her new book is coming out in just a couple of months. I'm going to go check out her photo shoot with That's her exciting. after this. A little quick hope. And Anna from Marani Restaurant in New York. It's not in New York City, but you call it Marani NYC? Uh, MaraniNYC.com is the website. Okay, yes. so you can check out the, her website, make a reservation. Uh, make sure you get in there and and go twice. You have to go. You know that's the best thing about restaurant. You get to go twice because you have to go flashic and then you have to mm-hmm. go milkic. So um, one of my favorite hot spots to do in New York. Oh, thank you. So really, thank you thank for all you your all all the attention detail has really come to, you know, culmination. It's in lovely your restaurant. to have people like you who appreciate it, and it's interesting. A lot of people appreciate it. Okay, well, thank you. We do. Um, so Kim has got a special announcement for us. Kim, would you like to about the about the raffle? Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, you want me to do it? Okay, she's saying you do it. Okay, sometimes I love to announce it. We have got a raffle for those of you who tuned in for this whole hour here. Kim has offered, and she's even signed it. Um, it says Kim Kushner in it. If you want to win this fantastic book, you have to send me an email to Naomi at nachumsegel.com with your name your address and I will put you in the raffle and we will announce a winner in a couple of weeks and you can win this own your own version of the modern menu. So uh Naomi at Nachumsegel.com and write Kim write Kim Kushner or the modern menu in the uh in this subject and I will save that and we'll have our drawing. But uh thank you for listening. We've had a very action packed talkative show about all kinds of food um make sure you come and you can either come to gourmet glut next week where dahlia abraham klein is actually doing um as i mentioned earlier on a demo she's going to show us how to braid uh really funky challah shapes she actually has a different challah for each month and all the simanim and and different thoughts that come with each month for women so i thought it's a very unique book um, and we're also going to be having Joy of Kosher, our, our Shifra, Shifra Klein, uh, talking about 
the Purim issue as well as Seth Levitt from uh, Abels and Hyman. He's going to be joining us, as he always does, being an amazing sponsor of our show. And I've left somebody out. Oh, no, who have I left out? I'm just having a rustle through my papers. And, of course, Chef Aviva Friedman from... um, the Loft Steakhouse in Brooklyn. So I uh, hope that everyone, you can either come to Gourmet Glad or you can watch the show uh, or listen to the show at nachamsegal.com or on the app anytime. Uh, our show is sponsored by Abels and Hyman and the music sponsored right after the show is sponsored by Kerem Wines and Royal Wines. Thank you very much. Wishing everybody Shabbat Shalom. Kosher Food and Wine shows next week. Two weeks. Get your tickets. <laughs>